0: Everyone has a story, I get them to tell it. Welcome to the Aaron Bender Podcast. Conversations with media personalities about their lives and journeys, personal and professional. Can't thank you enough for finding this podcast. Welcome or welcome back. Would love it if you subscribed and dropped a rate and review on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or your favorite platform. Really appreciate you sharing the podcast. We already have listeners in Australia, Canada, France, Germany, Mexico, South Korea, Sweden. I'm so, so grateful for all the feedback from the first three episodes with my friends Alex Gervasi, Nick Valencia, and Jake Warner. We are just getting started. Before we get into reporter Ileana Capayan's story, a little about mine. A widowed dad of two girls who just lost their mom a grieving husband, a man in recovery trying to reconnect with the world with fresh eyes, faith, and perspective, a college journalism professor, a white guy in a world of injustice, a 20-year broadcast media veteran who had his dream job, then lost it. A year and a half ago, God gave me a gift, an opportunity to stop, step back, and breathe so I could learn about love, vulnerability, forgiveness, grace, self-care, patience, understanding, my guest this episode grew up in Orange County, a Dominicana Mexicana who learned early on she liked being out of her comfort zone. That would help explain her decision to go to a university in Tennessee, travel the country on reality TV shoots, and take a TV reporting gig in Alabama. But now, Eliana Capellan is a lot closer to home.
1: Bakersfield is a new adjustment, that's for sure. Um, obviously, I just started here last week. So I'm on week two of, um, Bakersfield and it's been insane. Cause not only am I switching, you know, stations obviously, but also my schedule is completely different. Um, in Dothan, I was working nightside and here I am the sunrise reporter. So (laughs) it's a transition.
0: Big change.
1: Yes, but it's a fun change and I'm happy for it. So
0: that's good. So you're closer to home now growing up in Orange County, where in Orange County did you grow up?
1: Yeah. So I'm from um, Aliso Viejo, okay. uh, which is right near like Laguna beach between Laguna beach and like mission Viejo area. Um, and so I am, I'm way closer to home. I'm about a three, three and a half hour drive, which is really nice. And also my husband, we have our place in LA cause that's where, you know, we were living up until the point that I moved to Alabama. So I'm three hours from family and, and my parents, and then about two hours from my husband in LA. So that's really nice. It's a lot more convenient than a six hour or a full day (laughs) travel day, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah. I remember when I graduated from Cal State Northridge and my first job was in Fresno. It felt so good to be that close to home.
1: Exactly. No, my first weekend here in Bakersfield, um, my family came up, like everybody was here and I was just like, oh, it's so nice. Like we could never do that in Alabama. Um when I when I was in Alabama, I went home once and my dad was able to come visit me once but my mom wasn't because uh, she's primary caretaker of my grandma so with covid and stuff that obviously throws a wrench in it. Yeah. And that especially right now in like the time that I was away from, you know, California was such a hard time to figure out when to travel because it's also just not safe like it you, things were things were up in the air all the time.
0: We're bouncing all over the place to kind of start, but let's go back to the beginning. So Eliseo Viejo is a family always from Orange County.
1: No. So my mom and dad are both actually from out of the country. My dad is from the Dominican Republic and he moved to New York when he was really young. Cause my grandpa was living there. Um, and then my dad joined the Marine Corps and that brought him to California. Um, my mom was born in Mexico. So she also her and her family, they came over when she was little. Um, and then she's been here like basically her whole life in California. So, um, and then they met and my dad, <laughs> they have an interesting love story. So they met, they dated for a while. And then my dad, like I said, he was in the military. So he, uh, got deployed to Japan and my mom was like, I'm not going like my family's <laughs> all here. So They broke up, um, cut to oh they pro- broke
0: they broke up they broke like up. it's not even like okay yeah, I mean, let's it, do long distance she's yeah, like no, and if you knew, sayonara
1: yeah and if you knew my <laughs> mom it would make complete sense because that's just her it's like her way or the highway so um, she was like okay bye so they broke up and cut to probably like mm, 13 14 years later they got back together 13
0: or 14 years <laughs>
1: Yeah. So my dad actually got remarried or he got married um, and he had my two brothers and my older sister. And then um, when that marriage, you know, when they got divorced, he came back to California. I think he's already in California actually, but he came back and looked for my mom and she happened to be living in the same place and um, they started dating again. So, (laughs) yeah. So I'm, I'm here now because of that. (laughs) Yeah crazy love story. Um, but so yeah, I have two brothers and a sister and they're all older than me. Um,
0: what was your mom doing during that, that 13 year stretch? You talk about how, you know, your, your dad got married, had, you know, three kids. What about mom?
1: My mom? So same thing. She actually, um, she was dating and she got engaged and then (laughs) that didn't work out. So they split up and My mom, I mean, like coming from like a Mexican family or a Hispanic family in general, like everything is very family centric all the time. So um, she was living with her parents and her sister and her brother, like they were still all at home, um, unmarried. So I mean, like, what else are you going to do, you know? And they were all just taking care of my grandparents. Um, So for her, not much had changed. And I think at this point she was already working at the DMV too. So that was also interesting growing up because my mom was like notorious because people knew her they you know in high school where people were always like I know your mom she gave me my driving test <laughs> your mom failed me and I was like oh your mom failed me <laughs> that, that was like the amount of times I'd get that per week your mom failed me and I'd be like sorry like,
0: now when you should... took your driving test what was that like I mean did she did she prep you like okay now they're gonna they're gonna ask you to turn right and they're gonna have you go on a freeway for just one exit I mean how was that prep like
1: So my mom was really, (laughs) really strict with me when it came to driving. And so most of the time I would start driving with her and I'd be like, okay, like we're going to go to grandma's house. My grandma lives like not even 15 minutes away. So we'd start driving. And by the time I pulled out of like the neighborhood and onto the main road, I was like, I'm done. I'm pulling over. You can drive. Like, I don't want to do
0: this anymore. (laughs) By (laughs) that point, it's just, she's driving you crazy.
1: Yeah, she'd be like, stop, stop, stop. You need a slow down, Liana. this, at this. And I'd be like, I can't do it. So most of the driving went with went, um, my dad, which now that he's retired, he's actually now a driving instructor. Like, so I don't it's know. Full circle. Full circle but yeah.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I remember my, when I was learning to drive, my mom uh, had a, a stick shift. And so that was the only choice. I had to learn how to drive stick. And with my mom in the car with me, it's impossible absolutely yeah. impossible. So, uh, a buddy from work, a, a buddy from her work, uh, whose, uh, kids I was going to school with. So he's a really good family friend. He's like, let me teach him. Let me teach him 15 minutes in. I'm coasting, man. Everything is great. Cause it's just, you, you get that parent out of the car
1: yeah. and
0: everything the is fine.
1: No longer there. You're good to go. Smooth sailing.
0: It's not every day really that you get Dominican, Mexican. So, what was what was that household like growing up, especially here in Southern California?
1: Definitely. Well, a lot of it was feeling for myself. It was feeling out of place because, like you said, there was a lot of Mexicans. There's a lot of you know um, Cubans, and even that, like not as many. But there's just it's it's Mexicans. I mean, we're so close to Mexico that you know where we are, the majority. And so for a lot of it, it was like, cool. Cause obviously I'm, I'm so in tune with that part of my culture, but on the other hand, I look a little bit different than some of the Mexican girls that I was going to school with and stuff like that. So it was always questioned because people didn't know what I was like. I was ethnically ambiguous. So people would, you know, just assume that I wasn't Mexican or I didn't speak Spanish. And, um, I remember that a lot throughout my life. Like people just starting to speak Spanish and I'd catch on and I'd pick up or like I'd, I'd respond to them in Spanish and they'd be like, oh my gosh, <laughs> you speak Spanish? And I'd be like, yeah, I'm, I'm Mexican and Dominican. Um, but our household alone, I mean, I guess the best way to describe our household was like colorful, <laughs> um, colorful and loud. And that's kind of my family as well. So m- both sides of my family are huge. My mom is one of seven and so is my dad. Oh so my gosh. I- Yeah. So for me growing up and having friends that were like, oh yeah, I'm going to go visit family and they live in, you know, another state and I'd be like, oh, you know, who are you going to go see? Oh, my mom's sister. I'd be like, oh, how many, how many sisters your mom have? Just, just her sister. I'd be like, oh, (laughs) okay. And my friends would be like, oh, you're going to your aunt's house. I'd be like, yeah. They'd be like, but didn't you just see her last week? You'd be like, no, that was my other aunt or that was my other uncle. Like this, that, you know, oh, that's like, right.
0: Yeah. You've, you've got, uh, 12 aunts and uncles.
1: Yeah. Like they don't understand what? the concept. Like when we would meet for family gatherings and that was pretty much every weekend at grandma's house. Like it was because there was literally enough people and stories to catch up on from the week that like you had to catch up every week. It wasn't like one of those things where I could just call, you know, aunt Susie up and she catch me up on everything. Like I had to go through my aunt Rosa, my aunt Martha, my aunt Raina, my uncle, like, you know, everybody. So it was, (laughs) it was a whirlwind. But, um, for me, I did realize early on that, like, there's not a lot of Dominicans. And I remember questioning, like, what are we like, what is this, you know? Um, and for a long time, like, I mean, yeah, we would, I'd eat Dominican food. And when I'd go up to visit my dad's family, like, Obviously I was very in tune to that side of my culture as well, but, um, not as in tune as I was with my Mexican side. And it wasn't probably until I take back that I take that back. I was more in tune with food with my like Mexican side and language, obviously on both sides, Yeah. but music and dancing was all my dad. Like we would dance salsa, merengue, like bachata, everything at every family party. That's, that's what I remember. And like, since I was a little girl, so I remember like at all family parties or weddings that we'd go to and people would be like, Oh, go dance with your dad. Or like, you know, you guys are so cute because from, from a young age, I was, that was ingrained in me. Like dance was a major part of our life. I never danced like on a dance team or anything like that. I cheered, but it's so different than dance. So I always joke that like, I can dance to like the stuff that I grew up listening to but like, don't put me anywhere where you need me to learn choreography and like pick it up because that's not my forte. Um, but it wasn't until that I actually moved out of California that I realized like, Oh, other States have more Dominicans or more Puerto Ricans, which is interesting because also on my dad's side, like my, my dad, I told you he was raised in New York. And then his sister spent some time growing up in Puerto Rico as well. So we have a lot of Puerto Rican and Dominican, um, traditions intertwined into like our family and my brothers and sisters, like I told you when my dad was married, they all lived in Puerto Rico for a good chunk of time too. So, and now like my, my brother and my sister live in Puerto Rico and my other brother lives in North Carolina, but like, so there's, there's a lot of, um, mixture of cultures there. And, I, I loved it though. Like for me, I was just like, Oh, this is cool. And for a long time, I thought that it was all kind of one and the same, like, Oh, we're all just from like the Caribbean. Like that's, that's that. Right. And it wasn't until I moved to Alabama that I was like, Oh, you guys have a lot more Dominicans out here or a lot more Puerto Ricans out here. And, um, or really Tennessee when I moved there, same difference. Or when we went to go visit like places like Miami and Florida, where I was like, this is normal out here. Like our culture is more celebrated out here. You see it everywhere. I can't, it's hard. It's really hard to find a Dominican restaurant in LA or a Puerto Rican restaurant in LA. I mean, it's easier than going and finding it in another state, but it's a lot harder than it is to find a Mexican restaurant where you see on every corner and going down to like, you know, the, uh, the taco trucks on, on every street corner in downtown. Like that's, that's easy. And I love it. You know, I'm so grateful for that, but, um, it was cool to be able to kind of be in tune with my own culture and especially now working in news, like getting to share that culture with everyone as well, because I think it comes out in different ways. I mean, obviously my hair is very curly. That's part of my Dominican side. Oh, we're
0: like getting that. to that. Yeah, we're, we're totally getting to that because that is <laughs> that is part of your brand at this point.
1: Most definitely. And it was a big deal for me. I remember sitting in my college classes and talking to reporters or anchors and them being like, oh yeah, they might tell you to straighten your hair. Like that's, that's the way it's going to be. And me sitting there thinking like, ah, I spent so much of my life not liking my curls and wanting straight hair and also honestly ruining my, my curly hair because all of basically middle school and high school, it was like, I'm going to straighten my hair. I'm going to straighten my hair. I'm going to straighten my hair. And I cheered. So I was also like required to wear, you know, on Fridays we have to hair, have our hair up at a ponytail, slick back straight. And so, I yeah, good luck burn. with
0: good luck with that slicked back yeah. and straight.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, well, do you see how much hair I have? And I remember the girls would always be like, "How long does it take you to straighten your hair?" <laughs> mm, two hours, like two two and a half hours, you know, like it's, it's yeah, you gotta, effort. You got you
0: got to ditch sixth period just so you can go home in time yeah, to, to get back
1: <laughs> for the game. Yeah. <laughs> It would be a Thursday night tradition, honestly. So I'd finish homework usually pretty late, but whatever. I'd finish homework and then I'd get in the shower and I'd start doing my hair. And so I'd finish my hair probably around midnight and then wake up to go to school for zero period at 6 a.m. So,
0: And it's only in the last two to three years has there been uh, this uh, movement, this beautiful, beautiful, blessed movement of this is me. This is my natural hair. I ain't got to do bleep to anything for anybody. This is me.
1: Yeah. And it's such a great movement. And, you know, it's still, there's still a lot of progress to be done. I know that in a lot of states, it's still considered unprofessional to have curly hair. But honestly, I mean, what makes it unprofessional? This is me. And the way that I've always identified at it, with it is it's part of my personality. And honestly, I don't feel completely myself if my hair is not curly because naturally I am a bubbly, outgoing person. And I feel like my hair is kind of that as well. Um, but there's no reason that I can't have my hair curly and also report on something completely serious because my hair doesn't define who I am as a reporter um, or anybody in that sense. Like it doesn't define who you are professionally. It is a part of you and it grows out of your head and you can't change it. And and why have me spend two hours? I mean, I still spend two hours on my hair just getting it to do what I needed to do, but, why have we spent two hours, you yeah, know, you don't want to
0: change it. You just want to tame it at that point. Yeah. Yes. I, just
1: want to, I just want to, you know, style it at that point. But, um, <laughs> and, and there are days, you know, where I will straighten it just because I'm like, Oh, well, let's switch it up a little bit, but that's fun because it's on my own terms. You know, um, it's different being told, no, you can't have curly hair or curly hair doesn't look good or it's not professional versus me making that decision for myself. And, it's great and now it's being celebrated. Like you said, there's a lot of there's a lot of Instagram pages or social media pages that celebrate that and are made to encourage women to women and men to wear their natural hair and be proud of it and not feel ashamed of who they are because I think that that's a huge thing that comes with having curly hair is automatically you're like oh no, I need to change it. I'm ashamed of what it looks like. We're taught at an early age like you're supposed to brush your hair And for me, I can't wake up and have my hair be dry and then brush it because you're really not going to like my hair at that point, you know, (laughs) we're going to be in a really bad situation at that point. But, um, so learning, learning from an early age, like it's, it's okay. It's going to be different. Your hair is different, but it's beautiful the way it is. And, and it should be celebrated. And I think that that's a big deal going forward also is, Teaching that to our younger generation because I was still part of the generation where, like I said, straight hair was what everybody wanted. Um, you know, uh, what's her name from from Friends? That that like whooshed back hair, right, right. Uh, what everyone wanted and what everyone was after. And then when you got into middle school, it was like the super super straight slick hair with a side part. And um, and then a little bit into high school, it was like oh, straight with like a wave, like but it was all still very styled. Um, so I think that a big part of what we're working on now is, you know, for kids that have curly hair is making sure that they also feel that they can have curly hair and it's just as beautiful and seeing people on air on, on TV shows, you know, on, on the news that have curly hair as well, because that was a big deal that, like you said, until up to like maybe two or three years ago, you weren't seeing people with curly hair on TV or in the news, um,
0: yeah. Did you have anybody that you can think of as you were growing up watching the news or watching media in general where you could say, oh, wow, she looks like me. I could do that.
1: No. Off the top of my head, no. I remember idolizing people that had beautiful straight hair or wavy hair. And and there's nothing wrong with that. Like I loved them. I loved their work. Um, but I don't remember watching tv and being like hey she has curly hair like me there's there's very few shows that i can like count on um my wife and kids was one you know the, the daughter on there had super curly hair and and um what else i mean shakira was like the closest thing we had to like curly hair and beautiful and in the media in the spotlight at that time but um no, I I don't remember it from the top of my head. I can't. I, and the people that were on TV that did have curly hair, that then you'd get the comparisons all the time, like, oh, you look like so and so. But it right. was like it was like five five girls all the time that you yeah. get compared to. Immediately like,
0: pigeonholed like, into that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and it was a thing of like, I don't honestly, I don't look like her, but my hair is similar to her. You're right in that sense. Sure, I guess we look alike, but. To say that, like, oh my gosh, you guys are twins, <laughs> not
0: really. <laughs> yeah, as a father of two daughters, uh, one is brunette and the other is like a dirty blonde, and so each one sometimes gets into that mood of I want her hair, because yeah. the the brunette, the my eight year old Marin is uh, kind of wavy, and when she gets uh, out of the bath or whatever like that, it's super curly, and so then Wiley wants what her sister has, and I and I tell them basically that that's how the world really kind of grows up is as you have straight hair, you want curly hair. And when you grow up with curly hair, you kind of want straight hair, but then you want wavy. And then wavy is in this no man's land of, I want it to be straight. No, I want it to be curly. And I just tell them, (laughs) you just embrace who you are. And we get into this chant of, you know, I love myself. I love myself. I'm beautiful the way I am. And it's difficult to tell a five and eight year old sometimes to, to love themselves as they are, because they're exploring this whole new world of differences
1: Yeah, that's a great. And I mean, amazing on you for being able to be like, look, everybody wants what they can't have, but you are beautiful the way you are, because that's a huge deal. And I think that that will go far in their lives, you know, like that, that stuff sticks with you. So I think that's important. I mean, even for for me and my in my life, like I know when my husband and I got married, we have our goddaughter who has curly hair. And we were like, Yeah, wear your hair curly. Like, we're gonna put flowers in your hair, blah, blah, blah. And she's she's little, but it was important for her to also see like that her representation and her curly hair was important and is beautiful. Um, and I remember her mom, like, even on on our wedding day, she was like, Do you want to just do her hair? And I was like, sure, like I'll do her hair. And um, We still, I mean, obviously we talk all the time, but she'll be like, oh, Araya says like she wants to have her hair like Illy or like, you know, like, so for me, it's important. And I I think about it all the time. Like, I want to be that role model for young women or, or little girls, you know, like I want them to see them, see their curly hair and not be ashamed of it and not say, oh, I wish my hair was straight because I don't see it. You know, like there is strength in numbers. So just one of many but you know it's it's a good thing it's before good thing.
0: we get off this hair thing you brought up side part okay
1: <laughs> oh no we're gonna do the millennial we're, we're
0: gonna do it we're gonna do it because I'm looking at you there's a side part but there is is there is there any any talk to go middle part just to kind of associate with Gen Z a little bit right right I'm no. I'm here for the curls I'm here for the the middle part
1: yeah you know mm, no <laughs> <laughs> Um, I've tried it a couple times and it's just, see, even then I'm like, I go back <laughs> to the side part. It it's just a different
0: side part is what that is. That's,
1: uh... doesn't, yeah. I mean, that's a little part for me. It just doesn't work. So uh, side part all the way.
0: <laughs> Let's go back to something you mentioned, uh, the idea that, uh, you really kind of embraced that Dominican culture growing up. At what point did you feel like, okay, I am embracing the, uh, the Mexican side of me,
1: the Mexican side of me was always everywhere. It was abundant. Like I didn't have to look for that as much as I did. The
0: representation here in Southern California is abundant. Yeah. So, okay, I get that. Yeah.
1: Yes. So I didn't have to look for it. However, there is, that leads me to another point, which was this weird sense of, um, in California, and I'm sure it's kind of like this everywhere. There's this weird vibe that oh Mexicans like all Mexicans are illegal or you kind of have to be like there's this weird shame thing with with being Mexican and I don't know maybe it's not with everybody but that's personally how I felt and especially growing up in Orange County I mean you see you see a little bit of everything but it's a predominantly white county and especially where I grew up and went to school I went to a predominantly white school um yeah and and you're
0: you're mid mid mid-20s?
1: Yeah. I'm, tw- yeah, I'm 27. I'm 26. I'll be 27 next month.
0: Okay. So the, the reason I bring that up is because late nineties and the first part of the two thousands, absolutely orange County, predominantly white, you know, growing up Hispanic in orange County, you were definitely the minority. It's not that way. Now, when you grew up, you know, you're looking around and there's a bunch of white people who just don't look like you.
1: Yeah. It's and it's weird. You feel a little bit uncomfortable. Um, the biggest thing, I mean, from day one, my name. My name is Ileana Capellan. Kindergarten first day, it's like, uh, you know, they get to your name on the on the sheet for roll. Oh, I want to hear. And, I
0: want to hear what how they butchered it. I'll, I got to yeah, hear it. I,
1: everybody, I I would hear, Iana, Lena, um, Ileana. and it's like it's. So, okay, and, my name.
0: <laughs> and the, and sometimes, and here's the thing, so it's I-L-Y-A-N-A, and obviously if somebody's uh, you know listening to the podcast, they can already see that. But the frustrating thing about that is exactly. that the I and the L, I mean, mom and dad, come on. <laughs> maybe, maybe make the L capital. Maybe make an yeah. uppercase L. Something. Give me something. But yeah. y- you're going to put basically two I's to start my name? What are you doing to me? What are yeah, you doing
1: Yeah, but that's also like it's already such a unique name that why are you gonna throw a capitalization in there? Like yes. that's adding the most let's so-
0: let's raise a Dominican-Mexican girl with curly hair in predominantly white Orange County and give her a name that the white teachers can't mess with.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But um yeah, I mean from day one it was like having to correct people on my name and I quickly learned like, okay, they're not going to say Ileana, so I'm going to change it. And okay, my, so now when I introduce myself to really anybody, it's, hi, my name is Ileana, so that it's easier to understand. And my last name is- I had to anglicize
0: Cappellan, it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Instead of Capayan is, yeah, Capayan. So, um, and I, I realized that with a lot of things, you know, like I said, growing up in Orange County, Mexican food is everywhere. Or there's, Mexican words that are just, are you, you know, Spanish words that are used, um, in everyday language. So it was, it was learning that, okay, if somebody's saying quesadilla, that's how I need to say it so that they understand it instead of saying quesadilla or an enchilada instead of no, no like- <laughs>
0: it hurts my ears. That hurts my ears. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but I learned very early on, like, okay, I have to change the way I say things. And sometimes I get caught up with myself because I'll start talking and I'm talking so quickly and blah, 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 and it comes out naturally the way I would say it in Spanish. And then I'll get that look and they're kind of like, wait, what? And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, um, an enchilada <laughs> like, <laughs> or a tamale instead of a tamale. Like, oh, you know
0: no, I mean? no, like no, that. no. So, oh, that, yeah, that hurts my heart. That hurts my heart. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing, I, I think back to my, my college experience, and I had a couple of uh, Hispanic females in class with me, and there was one in particular, and I can't for the life of me remember her name, I, I worked with somebody named uh, Diana Gonzalez, okay, and, and that name pops out, but I don't think that was the student I was talking about, but it, it, to serve the point here is that when she was locking out her stories, Diana Gonzalez, Valley View News, you know, whatever it was, that accent, which was not there for that entire story, all of a sudden came out and, and I, along with others, cautioned her that don't know that that's necessarily going to fly at your first job. And in 2000, that was, that was the deal, you know, it just really was. And I, and I participated in that as a white guy, I participated in trying to tell, uh, one of my Hispanic classmates who really was just saying her name the way she's been saying her name forever, I participated in that type of, I, I don't want to say oppression, but...
1: That mindset.
0: Yeah, yeah, that mindset. And it felt good over the next, like, 10 to 20 years to see that melt away for in, in most cases. And again, in Southern California, a lot easier to get away with that. I would imagine in Alabama, like, how do you say your name when you lock out in Alabama?
1: Oh, I said it with my accent completely. And, and
0: How did that go over?
1: Um, a lot of people being like, "What's her name?" <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it was accepted, and, and the thing was, I went to my news director my first day and I said, "Look, this is how I say my name. Do you need me to change it? Do you need me to say it, you know, another way?" And, and to that point, though, I kept my, my maiden name as my professional name for that point to be able to like push across this point that you know like I can do this you know like um I'm proud of who I am and where I came from and I want my family to feel that pride as well when they see me on screen so my news director was like no say it the way you want to say it if that's if that's the way you say your name say it that way but just like continue saying it that way don't change it up and I was like okay cool so but
0: by the way you need to change your hair no I'm kidding. No.
1: Yeah, but by the way, go ahead and straighten the hair. And while you're at it, can you cut it to your shoulders? Like, no.
0: Not not cutting my hair. Um, I'm not straightening my hair. And I'm saying my name the way I I want to. This is me. This is the reporter you hired.
1: Exactly. I love that. that, Even in my reel, you know, all of my reels, I'm very authentically me. You see who I am. I can't hide who I am. I can't do it. I was just having this conversation with um, a friend yesterday, a coworker yesterday. I'm authentically me. I can't hide who I am. I can't hide my personality. I can't hide my ethnicity or my culture. I can't do that. I can't. And so to try to, to force me to do that was very unnatural. Um, the same way that changing the way I say my name is unnatural for me, because if I'm in the flow of talking and going and going and going, it comes out, you know, 17 news or WDHN news, whatever. Um, it, it takes me back to have to sit there and stop saying what I'm saying naturally and be like, Oh, uh, Ileana Capion. Cause then I slow <laughs> it all down. <laughs> like, <laughs> it sounds so gross
0: to hear that really, honestly, yeah. <laughs> uh, knowing what it's supposed to sound like.
1: It's not natural. Yeah. Um, but like, I totally, I'm okay with the fact that some people don't know how to pronounce your name or they, they can't say it properly. And that's okay. I have, that's okay. Lo- you tried like, as long as you ask me, Hey, like, how do you, how do I say your name? I'll, I'll give it to you the best way and the easiest way for you to say it. Um, I have no issues with that. But I'm going to sit here and say my name the way I want to say it and the way that it should be said. And it was a big deal for me, obviously, going to Alabama because things are so different in Alabama than they are in Southern California.
0: Just a little. So just I, a little.
1: Just even, and you're just not an even issue. in the
0: capital. You're in Dothan.
1: Yeah. I was in a small, like, small town. Um, and so <laughs> – For me, I was like, well, I'm gonna push my boundaries. I'm gonna I'm gonna push the boundary a little bit and I'm gonna make people learn how to be comfortable with this because this is me. And if I'm gonna come out and do a story on you, I'm sorry, but you're gonna have to accept me the way that I am. Um, you know, and even if you don't, whatever, I'm gonna do the story
0: and it's gonna be (laughs) I'm gonna do the story um, anyway, right?
1: Yeah, but at the end of the day, I mean, I am I am Iana and you can't change that about me.
0: Um, You talk about uh, pushing your comfort zones and and getting out of your boundaries. Going to Alabama wasn't the first time you did that. Out of high school, you're like, oh, you know what? I'm not uncomfortable enough in Orange County. I'm going to Tennessee, damn it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, and see, I didn't realize my uncomfortability until I got older. So... Growing up in Orange County, I was like, well, this is just the way I guess everybody feels.
0: Oh, uh, interesting. Like you didn't really, I'm uncomfortable for this reason here yeah. in Orange County. And only when you moved to Tennessee and other places, did you realize, oh, that's what I was feeling growing up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's My, interesting. Kind of to that. And it was, I mean, I, so I, I graduated high school in 2012. And then I went to a community college out here in, in orange County, but a little bit more, oh, north. which one, so I went which one. Orange coast college. OCC.
0: OCC? All right.
1: Yep, I'm a pirate. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I went to, I, I went to
0: Mount Sac. So we're, uh, okay, you know, we're, we're yeah. community college buddies. It's all right.
1: Yes, we are literally like sister schools, but um, my, I cheered there as well. And so my, that was the first time that I joined a cheer team that was not predominantly white as well. And so that was really cool to me. That was like the first time that I was like, oh, this is interesting. Like, this is cool.
0: I'm out of Aliso Viejo. Well, this is okay. This is kind of cool. There are other people here.
1: Exactly. And and people aren't trying to change who they are. Like, they would naturally switch from Spanish to English when they were talking. And I was like, this is, I'm comfortable with this. This is how I grew up at home. Um, Not necessarily outside of my house, but this is how it was in my home. Yeah.
0: And and you get out of that Aliso Viejo bubble or that, that kind of South-ish Orange County bubble and you get to Santana, you get to Anaheim and you're like, wow, there, there are other people here in Orange County.
1: Exactly. And so (laughs) that's how I got to Tennessee because I got scouted on a cheer scholarship and I kind of, I'm very obviously. I moved to Joplin and I moved to Bakersfield and I just kind of go with things. I'm like, oh, it's happening. Let's do it. Like, okay. So um, I remember trying out for the cheer team and being like, awesome, I made the team. And calling my mom and being like, hey, guess what? I made the team. And she's like, oh, that means you have to move out there. And I was like, oh my god, what do I do?
0: You know? Like, uh oh. And this is Austin Peay yeah. State, right in in Clarksville.
1: Austin, yeah, Clarksville, Tennessee. Yep. And um, that was a culture shock. It was people ask me all the time, Oh, did you have a culture shock? You know, out there they'd be like, Oh, I bet going back to California is a culture shock. And I, my response would always be, no, the culture shock for me was coming here and it wasn't a culture shock. It was the lack of culture that shocked me. Um, because again, you're in a predominantly white area. And even though I was in a predominantly white area in orange County, there was still representation.
0: Yeah. There's the, that's, (laughs) that is a different kind of predominantly white.
1: Yeah, it was different. Um, it was the first time that I got looked at crazy in a Mexican restaurant for ordering in Spanish. Like, I, what do you mean? Why, what's going on here? You know? And so when the position came up in Dothan, they asked me, that. they're like, Oh, are you okay coming to the South? And I was like, yeah, it's not my first time. Like I can do it at this point. I've done it.
0: At what point was broadcast journalism was TV news your thing? Like what, at what point did you decide that that's where you wanted to go with your career and your life?
1: So TV news probably started in, I'd say that I think I always wanted to do it. I just didn't know that it was a career. Um, yeah. So I would look at, you know, Juliana Rancic and Ryan Seacrest. And I knew that I, I loved entertainment news. I loved watching that stuff um, or watching talk shows and stuff like that. Or the women on on KTLA and, and Good Day LA. And I loved them. Like I loved watching them, but I didn't know that like that was something I could do. And growing up in California, I feel like everybody kind of dips their toe in like the acting realm. And so I did that. Like I was, I, I did commercials and stuff like that. Like I grew up in that. Um, but I didn't, like I said, I didn't know that that could be a career aside from acting. And I knew that I didn't really want to do acting. Like I was not not good at memorization. That's not my thing. <laughs> so, I thought that I wanted to become a nurse. I full-heartedly was like, all right, I'm going to be a pediatric emergency room nurse. That's what I wanted to do. And I took all of my high school courses were geared towards that. Like I did ROP classes, started at OCC. That was still my goal. Not very good at math or science, but I was like, I'm going to make it somehow. Um, I just and want so, to
0: help little kids. Come on, yeah, just like, let me so in. I'll, I'll learn it all. Just let me yeah. in. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And the thing is like, you know, I had internships in high school and it was like, it was great. I'm good. Hands-on. It was getting me behind a book and telling me, okay, now on a molecular level, what is this cell? And well, I was like, I don't know, but I can tell you from their symptoms, this is what's going on. Like, right, right. <laughs> um, so I, that was my career path. I was like, well, I'm going to do nursing. I'm going to do something in the medical field. And then I got to OCC, still doing that same thing, got to my guidance counselor's office at Austin Peay State University. And I remember sitting down across from her and she was like, what do you wanna do? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I thought I wanted to go into nursing, but I know myself enough to know that I'm not gonna be doing well in these classes. Like I'm not gonna pass math and science. And she was like, okay, well, what else do you like to do? And I was like, I like talking to people. I like helping people. And, um, I like getting information out there. Like, I don't don't know. And she was like, well, why don't you try our communications program? I was like, okay, like what? And she was like, broadcast media. Like you like that? You, you said you did acting when you were younger. Like you feel comfortable in front of the camera. I was like, yeah, I feel comfortable. And she was like, well, let's try that. You can take like radio courses and TV courses. And I was like, okay, that sounds cool. Let's do it. And so, um, that's when it was really like, okay, this is what I'm doing. So probably like 2014, quite honestly, because that was when I sat in class with her. But I knew all along that that's what I like to do. I just didn't know it was a career option for me. And also my parents didn't go to college like they're high school graduates. And my dad went into the Marine Corps. My mom immediately got a job. So it was like for me, this was the first time that I was really having to immerse myself in like my college life. My My siblings went to college, but they're all so much older than me and they were kind of like Doing their own thing at that point, like you know, I wasn't involved with that, you know. Um, so FAFSA and and scholarships and all that, like that was new to me. Trying to schedule a class, like a class load, I don't know, twelve units. I was like, what is that? Like, what's a I unit? Don't like yeah, yeah, my, yeah. Their their response was always like, go and talk to the office because we can't really help you with this. We don't really know. So I was like, okay. So I was kind of on my own with this stuff. Um, so when I realized that this was like a career opportunity, I remember even my parents being like okay so you're gonna do okay that's what you're gonna do all right all right because they're so used to like their mindset was like get a job with benefits that you secure and you know you have you have retirement and that's not really the case going into your first jobs um, so I I graduated from Austin P with my degree in uh, communications and broadcast media
0: Their program though you're not gonna see a lot of people who look like you
1: most definitely no it was predominantly white and or it would be your classes would either be black and white or you know like that was that was really it there was no like oh and then the sprinkles of of this no it was you're black or you're white um and so yeah being in these classes was was interesting and being from california and a Latina in these classes was very interesting because we have our own way of doing things. And in California alone, we're kind of in our own world. We dress our own way. And in the South, that was the biggest thing for me to get used to was the way that the girls dressed out there. I didn't dress like the girls out there. And I remember one of my, one of my friends being like, Oh, you know, you have to dress a certain way. And I was like, why do I have to dress like that? I feel comfortable <laughs> with what I'm wearing. Like,
0: It's a side part. Leave me alone. <laughs>
1: Okay. Um, (laughs) Goodness. Um, but yeah, so that was, that was an interesting transition and our, our communications department, like our program was, it's fairly small. I mean, I don't know how it is now, but when I was there, it was pretty small. Um, but I will say it was kind of cool because it was run like the head of our communications department was a woman and she's an Asian American woman. So like, that's cool. You know? Um, and a lot of my teachers were also females. I did have, I mean, the communications department was small. So you had a lot of teachers that taught a lot of different things, but um, it was a good experience. And then it was an experience where I had to, if I got what I put out and put into it basically. So if I wanted experience being on camera, I needed to sign up for classes that were on camera. But not only that, then I needed to sit there and produce and anchor the news or produce and anchor my own talk show. That's what I wanted to do because outside of like your class load. And I'm sure this is true of any college outside of your class load. You still need experience because your classes are only eight weeks, right. like six weeks at that. Right. So cool. I'm in a newscast class for 16 weeks, but if I really like this, then I need to find a way to get involved with this on a regular, which is what I did. Um, my junior and senior year, really junior, like sophomore, junior, senior year. But, um, that's what I really got into heavy was I started to produce my own talk show and I started anchoring the news and that's what we would do. Cause I, actually at our, at our department, we didn't really like go out and produce our own packages or report. We would just pull stuff from like national and that's what would air. The talk show is where I really got to go out and talk to people and interview with people and be like, this is kind of where I'm, I'm adding in my own flavor. And so I think that's where it kind of started to resonate with me. Like, this is what I like to do. I'm talking to people, I'm helping people in a certain way because, you know, a lot of times when you tell people stories, you're talking to one person, but that story can resonate with thousands of people.
0: Absolutely. Um, Absolutely.
1: And and that's what I love about it and getting that information out and just telling telling people stories and allowing them to, to share what they think is important. Because a lot of the times it is important, they just don't have a platform to share it on. And so giving them that platform is awesome.
0: Now, you, you met your husband in college?
1: I did, yeah. So, I cheered at Austin P for um, my first year. So, I actually, like I said, I transferred from a community college. So, I went there for three years, my sophomore, junior, and senior year. And uh, he played football there. So, we we ended up meeting and we met my first year there within like the first couple of weeks of school starting. So, we, we've been together since 2014 and He proposed on graduation day. That was a surprise, like no other. Nice, nice. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, and then he's from Indiana originally. So then that conversation came up of like, okay, well, where are we going to go after graduation? Um, And immediately he was like, California. Like, you are from California.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He's looking around like, you think I want to go back to Indiana? You think I want to stay here in Tennessee?
1: Exactly. Well, and at that point, see, I was already starting to think of like, okay, market sizes, where can I go? Yep. What's realistic? At that point, it's different. It's a different mindset. It's not just like, okay, I want to go to California.
0: You can't just go back to California uh, and immediately find work on TV. Right.
1: At all, at all. And so um, I kept telling him like, we could go back to Indiana and it would be perfectly okay. Like, Oh I yeah. The bunch at-
0: of markets there that you could start at for sure.
1: Or, you know, we're already away from both of our families. Like we could literally go anywhere in the world and it'd be all right. But because he was not from California, he was like, this is this opportunity to live in California, you know? And he he's always said like, that's where he envisioned himself. And so he was like, and your family's there. You You've missed them so much. Like, why not just go back there and then get our feet on the floor and figure out what we're doing? And I was like, okay. But it's hard to not get discouraged when you're applying to all of these on-air positions or on-camera positions, because a lot of them it's like, yeah, you need five years experience or you need another market. And it's like, I'm not going to, I don't have that. My, my experience is, yeah, two years on a college station TV. Like that's, that's it. And my internships, which were all over the place. Um, so I was like, okay, let's try this another route. Instead of going directly, trying to be on TV. How about I learn about what it takes to make TV? is the way that I was thinking. And mind you, I was still thinking that all I wanted to do was entertainment news. So I was like, okay, I'll work in production. So that's, I took my first job um, in reality TV and I was working on a show in Tennessee. It actually like happened randomly. I joined a couple of different Facebook groups, which um, has been like, honestly, the best thing in the world. Cause you get so many different job leads and stuff like that from groups on Facebook. But I joined a Facebook group, and they were looking for a production assistant for a pilot show in Cleveland, Tennessee. I'd never heard of it, but I was like,
0: Cleveland, "There's nobody Tennessee." Commenting.
1: Yeah, I was like, "There's nobody commenting on this because everybody is based in LA that's looking for this, but they're looking for a local, so I'm going to probably be as local as they can get." I had no real experience or idea what a production assistant was going to do, and so they called me and they're like hey yeah so do you have experience being on set And I was like yeah I mean I did from my own acting days true. yeah <laughs> like,
0: it's not a lie yeah show, show me the lie <laughs> I was like,
1: yeah I have experience being on set and she's like okay um and you have a car yeah I have a car okay great well we're gonna need you up here these and these dates and I was like cool so I was like I'm going to Cleveland Tennessee Luckily, we had a friend that was from Cleveland, Tennessee, and she was like, you can stay at my parents' house. It's only about 20 minutes from where you're going to be filming. I was like, "Oh, nice!" So that worked out perfectly. And day two of that shoot, and they were like, they're probably going to ask you on for the full season. And I was like, okay. They're like, they're going to ask you on as an associate producer since you've been working with the producers. And I was like, all right.
0: That turned into like a few years of working in reality TV. Do you feel like at that point, like that's – your career like maybe you're not going to be on camera i'm just going to be behind the scenes because this is the experience so far and many times if you start behind the scenes it's very difficult to get out from behind the scenes
1: and i didn't realize that when i first got into it i thought okay i'm gonna learn how TV's made i'm gonna make connections and i'm working in reality tv so what's better than working for e-network already
0: yeah and when juliana retires in a year they're totally gonna pick me because i'm here already
1: and juliana was like literally my biggest idol i was like oh if i could be juliana like i'm gonna get in good it's gonna be great she's gonna take me in as like her her mentee like oh it's perfect (laughs) i had this whole thought in my mind this is how it's gonna go and i was like well after a couple of years i was like this is just not happening like Ugh. And the thing was, yeah, I was doing great. I was on a trajectory that my producers wanted me on, you know, like I was on the way up. I was, I was one of my executive producers, like right hand girl. Like I was, I was her go, I was his go-to producer. Yeah. And so if I wanted to make a career out of it, I really could have. And I I remember sitting there thinking to myself, I'm moving up in this world. But to me, it kind of feels like a lateral move because it's not where I want to go, you know. So I keep moving up 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 up, but it's not taking me to the road that I want to be on. It's not taking me to the end goal. Um so this is all during the process that I'm also planning our wedding and in reality TV <laughs> shows obviously you're you're hired on for the amount of time that it, films it takes to film the season. So most of the time it's like, Oh yeah, I have an eight week gig here. I have an, 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 you know, 10 week gig here. So I kept signing on to different shows, different shows, different shows. Thankfully I was in good with my production company at that point evolution. So I worked on pretty much all of your shows that you see on E and Bravo. So the housewives, Mm. Vanderpump rules, like all of those fun shows. So um, I did that for a couple of years and that's when I was planning the wedding. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to work my last show so that it ends around the summertime. And then I can kind of take a couple weeks break leading up to our September wedding. Um, So that's what I did. I wrapped on my last show, which was Growing Up Chrisley's for USA Network. And I was like, that's it. I'm done for a little bit. I'm not gonna accept another job offer. They asked me to extend my time. And at that point I was so done that I was like, no, I'm done. And so I stopped working and focused on planning the last minute stuff, the last minute details for our wedding. And after the wedding, I remember be like, okay, now I need to get a job. And my husband was like, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna go back into production? Because I was not happy. I was not a good human being when I was working in reality <laughs> TV. I was, I was miserable. Like I was logging all the time. So basically, my job was to type everything that was happening in the scene, then go home and summarize it for the network to be able to read. And so you'd work a 12-hour day, and then go home and work another four hours or whatever off the clock. And so I just didn't, I needed a work-life balance. It wasn't happening for me. So I was like, you know what? <laughs> medical career has always been my fallback. Let's do that.
0: Really? So really?
1: I, yeah. So I worked at a doctor's office, um, call, and it was a, <laughs> it was an ear, nose and throat and allergy specialist and plastic surgery office in LA. So I worked there as a medical receptionist for a couple of years or for a couple months and they were great. And, they knew that I had my, my degree in communications. So they were basically like, start off working reception, like just kind of get to know the the business and the company, and then we'll move you up into like our communications realm. And so Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, cool. So cut to February, March of last year. And I was, my husband was like, you're not happy. You're not doing what you want to do. Like, and until you do what you want to do, we can't really like move on with like our life. And I was like, I know, but like, how am I going to do what I want to do? You're not understanding how hard it is to be on camera in LA. Like, I'm not going to get the opportunity here. And he, and he doesn't quite understand it just the same way that I don't quite understand his, his career. He kept saying like, you're in LA, this is the biggest market. Like they're constantly looking for people to be on camera you can do it blah, blah, blah. If there's a place to do it, do it here. And I was like, it's not like that though. (laughs) Like people here are on camera and they keep their jobs for forever. And yeah, I can be on camera if I want to go and audition for acting jobs all the time, but that's not what I want to do either. Um, and so I finally was like, I'd had enough. He basically, basically was kept telling me like, you're not doing what you want to do. You're not doing what you want to do. And I got annoyed and I was like, fine, I'm going to apply to every position possible everywhere, not just in California. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thankful that now that he was pushing me so hard, but at that time I was, I was, it was out of like anger. I was like, it's like I'm what, just when
0: you play. met, you were the cheerleader, and he became yours.
1: Yeah, it was a really weird transition, and I was not used to it. <laughs> so um, I was like, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna apply everywhere, and that's that's what i want to do. So I applied vigorously to every position that I saw open. How many line. would
0: you say you applied for before uh, Dothan called?
1: Probably. F- probably like 50 positions over 50, but see, the thing was like, I would, I would wake up early and I would just see if there was any new positions and start applying, 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 but it all happened really quickly because literally a year to the date this weekend, mm-hmm. I remember being like, I reached out to one of my friends. She had started a new um, business. And I was like, Hey, can I come and do like video stuff for your new um, business? And like, you're going to be doing an event. Can I come and record some stuff? And she was like, Okay. I was going to ask
0: how you put a reel together because the reel you left college with is now like three years old.
1: Yeah, it was old, old. So that's what I did. I, my, our best friend, uh, he works in reality TV now. Like he moved out from Clarksville and came and stayed with us for a little bit. And he wanted to get into, he wants to be like a camera guy. And so I was like, well, I can set you up with that. Like I work in reality TV, you know, like we, you're gonna have to start off as a PA but you can work your way up easily. You know, the equipment he's like, cool. So I asked him, we were, we were living in downtown. I was like, Hey, let's go to um, LA live and just start getting interviews with people. And he's like, okay. And this was right around the time of the um, borderline bar bar shooting. So that's what we're gonna ask people about. He was like, okay. And so that's what we did. I just went out and was asking people like, hey, can I talk to you? Can I talk to you? Can I talk to you? That was my first story that I did. And that was when I was like, okay, I'm gonna reach out to my friend Margarita. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna ask her if I can do a story on her business. And so we went to this event that she was catering and she let us film and I created a story about her and her brother and how they started up with this business and, you know, where they were going. And, um, and then I pulled some old video that I had of Rashawn actually from when he played football and some like old, uh, interviews that I had with him and I just cut it into a package as well. And I was like, okay, well, this is enough to make it real. (laughs) Like, here we go. Yeah,
0: Yeah. Just throw something together. Right.
1: Throwing stuff together, and I did a story with my mom of all people. Like I did a story with her about her experience as a DMV examiner and the accidents she had gotten, and you know, like it was that's fun. Good. It was that's cool. good.
0: It's creative. It's enterprising. That's that's what news directors look for. Yeah,
1: I felt horrible like putting together my reel. Like once it was done, I was like, okay, this is cool. But then submitting it, I was like, this looks nothing like other people's <laughs> reels. Like you're comparing yourself to other people that you look up reels on YouTube and they, it is all professionally done. Or it has a, you know, a nice camera quality and and the flag, a mic flag and all this stuff. And I was like over here with my little, like Amazon ordered mic and, <laughs> and my Canon, like hoping yeah. that I'm getting good quality but it worked out. And so once I started to apply, I remember applying the Dothan position happened very quickly. I applied to the position in Dothan on a Sunday morning. I woke up really early and that was my, like my routine. I'd wake up really, really early and apply for positions and hope that I'd hear something later on in the day. That way I could start off my day with applications, feel good about myself and then move forward. So I applied to it Sunday morning at like 6.30. Then I got an email Sunday afternoon around noon. And it was like-
0: On a Sunday.
1: On a Sunday, we're hiring, you applied, let's chat. And I was like, what? This is so weird. Like, and mind you, this is the first time that I've really had contact with somebody in news that's interested in hiring me so I was like, is this normal? Is this how this goes down? <laughs> you know every news
0: director is different seriously I like yeah. I, I I've worked for news directors who uh, they won't email anybody back they will call them directly you know they, it, it's just yeah. everybody's everybody's different
1: everyone's yeah. different okay so this was end of February last year um, and so I responded to him of course and I was like, yeah uh, I'd love to chat with you like when works for you He's like, uh, let's talk on Monday. By like Wednesday or Thursday of that week, he's like, okay, I'm calling you tonight. Cool. So he called me. He told me about the position. He was like, "Would you? are you open to it? Would you be willing to do this? I was like, yeah. He's like, okay, well, I'm going to give you some days to think about it. Here are some apartments to look at, like check out what the price of living is in this area. I was like, that was March 17th. And I started my position in Dothan, April 20th.
0: And I'm guessing you took a pay cut to go there?
1: I did. Yeah. How
0: much were you getting paid in Dothan?
1: Um, I was getting paid 1250 an hour. Yeah, like, that sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's their minimum wage is like $7. So yeah, but what
0: was the rent like?
1: For comparison, I have a one-bedroom apartment in LA. My husband and I, you know, would split that. And so my half of the rent in LA for a one-bedroom was 1200 for my half. So our rent was 2400 ish In Alabama, I moved into a two-bedroom apartment for nine hundred and thirty-seven oh dollars, like I was like, this is amazing. Like, what do you mean? Like, I remember them being like, "We only have a two-bedroom apartment available." I'm sorry, and it's you know going to be nine hundred and thirty-seven dollars. And I was like, a week? Okay, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, right? That's fine. And they're like, that's great. Yeah, you want the two-bedroom? I was like, uh-huh. I do want the two-bedroom because I don't have the space in LA, so I might as well have it somewhere else.
0: Now, here's the thing with first markets. Generally speaking, it's two to three years. Here you are, you're already in Bakersfield a year later. How did that happen? And before we get to that, I want to find out what that learning curve was like for you the first few months in Alabama. We could talk pandemic stuff. We can spend a whole nother podcast episode really on reporting during the pandemic. But I want to find out as somebody who was out of that game for a few years between college and her first market, what was that learning curve like for you in those first few months in Alabama?
1: Yeah. So that was something I was very aware of the fact that I had not ta- touched like editing software in like three years. And I had not really been reporting in about the same amount of time. So um, (laughs) I remember sitting there and being like, oh, I have to use a completely other side of my brain at this point because working in production, I was using one side and I got used to that stuff. And now I'm back in a newsroom and I have to learn how to use iNews and they were using Sony Vegas and all this stuff and and re-equate myself with all of this. So that first like week I was like, Oh my God, what am I doing? Like, I I can't do this. But I quickly was like, okay, I have to get over the fact that I feel uncomfortable. And I just need to start writing down notes and start studying that stuff. And so really I had to pick up on it quickly because by my second day, We had extreme weather and they were like, we know you're still training. We're going to send you out. (laughs) um, It's like one of my first
0: days in Miami, I was still wearing a a shirt and tie. They sent me out to a wildfire. And when I got back, they said, oh, and by the way, that's the last time you wear a tie because stuff like this could happen. You don't want to be out covering a wildfire in Miami heat wearing a tie, but you just get thrown into it.
1: You do. And I mean, honestly, best way to learn because yeah. you're hands on. And so that's what they did. They were like, you have the TVU app on your phone. We, we set it all up for you yesterday. You're going out with Blake. He's going to drive. You're going to report. I was like, okay. <laughs> on weather, like much less the fact that like, hello, I just came from California. The The most extreme that we have is sprinkling and like right. people going crazy. Every
0: now and then there's some lightning.
1: Hmm. Yeah, exactly. And so now we are under a tornado watch, and here we are. So I'm just holding the camera, like, here's what's going on, guys. This is what I see. Oh my and gosh! So got thrown into it really quickly, and um, did my first live shot that day as well, like for the that evening news, and it it was awesome, like such an adrenaline, like you're going through it, and you're yeah. like, okay, 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 this is what. I and that was your do. first
0: live shot because I don't think you did a live shot in Tennessee uh, in in college, right? No live shots no, there.
1: Never did live shots in college. So this was my first ever, 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 ever live shot. And I remember being like, Oh my gosh, how am I gonna do this? Like, Here's I'm not video of it, it
0: right now. No, I'm kidding. Oh, no. no. <laughs> I
1: was like, please don't. I remember coming back from that if live. If you have flight. that,
0: by the way, I want you to send it to me. I'm gonna use it as a podcast promo. Okay. Please, <laughs> okay. I beg of you. If you have it, just send it to me. No, don't shake your head. Don't do it. Don't do okay. it. You gotta send it to
1: me. It's somewhere. I'd have to look it up, but I'm sure it's somewhere on YouTube. Um, No, but I I remember being like, "That was tragic. Like, I can't memorize this stuff." And they were like, "Yeah, you don't have to go exactly by your script. Like, just as long as you say around the same things." And I'm like, "Why didn't you guys tell me that before I was going out there? I was sitting there like reading over my lines. Like, this was like a movie." We've already covered
0: that you don't you don't do well at memorization. Yeah
1: out there that that comes from cheer five concussions later my memory is just not what it used Are to Are you
0: be. serious oh, yeah with the yeah. concussions Mhm
1: I had five concussions
0: Do do you and your husband talk about how many more concussions you have than he does or does he have more than you do yeah.
1: No I have more I have more than And
0: that's does. just from falling from mm-hmm. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh
1: Yeah yeah and so I have like post concussion syndrome so I suffer from like migraines all the time um, wow. yeah. <laughs> so when I say memorizing things is not my thing, I mean it.
0: I didn't even think for a moment that that would be an issue with, with you and cheer.
1: So my last concussion was really bad. Um, and that was the one that I was like, okay, this is it. And that's when I ended up quitting the cheer team because it just wasn't worth it anymore. I was like, I'm putting my life on the line. And for what, like, I can't make a career out of cheerleading. Like I can't do it. And it was bad. Like it was just, it was just a bad situation all around the, I didn't feel supported by the coach because he was somebody that would sit there and be like, you're fine. You're fine. Like, go ahead and practice. Meanwhile, I have like the doctors and the trainers being like, you cannot practice. Like you are still injured. You, and that's the hard thing with, with a concussion, you know, you can't see the injury it's yeah, yeah. brain brain injury. So it's a big deal, but people can't see it. So they can't understand the fact that like you're still not a hundred percent and for me we we had to do baseline testing the beginning of our um of our season unfortunately i took my my baseline testing while i had a concussion and the trainers just didn't know about
0: it so there was no yeah yeah
1: so it was bad um and but i mean like whatever everything happens for a reason because thankfully when i quit the cheer team that's when i was able to really focus on the fact that i wanted to be in the broadcast program so yeah
0: So let's go then uh, to what I was bringing up before, the idea that you usually spend like two to three years in your first market. Usually that first market contract is two years. And depending on your news director, depending on the type of communication that you have with him or her, they're cool with you leaving because the whole point of that first market is to get the experience to jump to the next one. They'd love to have you for two years, but many times it doesn't happen, such as the case with you. You're already in Bakersfield a year later.
1: Yeah. And I was really nervous about that. Thankfully, NextStar is really good about like transferring. You can transfer within a NextStar market whenever. Um, and when I signed on, I verbalized the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm from California. If a position opens up in California, I would really like to, that opportunity to be able to apply. And my GM and my uh, news director were actually both very, very nice about that. And they're like, yes, we totally understand. We love to have you for as long as possible we don't think you're going to be here very long
0: so do you have ktla in mind
1: look at your face
0: that's the next star station here in town of course
1: yeah whose goal is not ktla i mean yeah that's 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 my dream
0: (laughs) i'm totally gonna play this back when you get that job in ktla in the next couple of years totally gonna play this back be like i remember when I remember when she was on the podcast. Oh, speaking into (laughs) existence. Exactly. I really appreciate it though. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of the weekend.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate your time.
0: All of Ileana's social media links are in the show notes. You can find me at AaronBender.com. Please subscribe to the podcast, rate, review, share, all that good stuff. If you have guest ideas or comments, email me, AaronBenderMedia at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Be well.